and welcome to Ask of a Christian Podcast, where you guys can come online and ask us questions, be it biblically related, theologically related, Christian related, or hey, you have a question that you think is very important for a pastor to answer, we are here to help you out with those questions. How, Kaylee, how can they submit their questions to us? You can go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AskRevPodcast. You can also go to Wayne's TikTok, Rev.Wayne. Or you can send us an email at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. That's askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all, we have created this platform to be able to help answer your questions. And we are so thankful that you guys keep sending your questions. One of the most popular trends that you see in Christianity today is this progressive Christianity movement. Uh-oh. Well, we have been waiting for somebody to send us the question. And somebody has. <gasps> Yay! So this is that episode... Well, we're going to talk about progressive Christianity. Some should we put a trigger warning? No, this is. A, I'm just going to put this out here. <laughs> if you do not want to listen to an episode about progressive Christianity, we understand. Don't. However, we're going to go ahead and take this out of biblical mindset. We have uh, go ahead and grabbed the core values from progressive Christianity off progressivechristianity.org, and really kind of find a couple quotes from progressive pastors that really kind of. Uh, show the mentality of progressive Christianity that we see. So I want you to be careful in knowing that we're not taking these things out of context. These are things posted on websites that are rel- relatively available, including on Wikipedia, because it is a liable source. You know what, high school teachers, you guys could kick rocks because my professors at least said it was okay. But in that mindset, we're really kind of looking at progressive Christianity, understanding that this is a movement where they progress in their knowledge and constantly think that they can update these things. So if you actually go on progressivechristianity.org, you will find out that even their five core values that they have now have changed in the last 20 years. Yeah, you can see um, on there, you can find a revised version uh from 2003 and 2011 yeah and a different one too from another year i don't know which one it is so to kind of root progressive christianity this is uh, in the mindset there's actually a movement out there called the po- people think of postmodernism a lot how we kind of move past the modern world into the postmodern world uh, there's also a next movement within the church called the post-christian movement people have believe they have adapted and evolved past the need for christianity or past the need to have a foundational moral value like christianity there's actually a book out there called post christianity i heavily recommend it read it while i was in school at lee and it's a great book to read because it brings up these topics and it was written back in 2003 when the posts with the progressive christian movement really started taking root that we see the five core values kind of jump up with so it's interesting to think of and we want you guys to know that we will find some things funny. We will find some things kind of a little bit ridiculous in our view because we are taking this as, from a viewpoint of a pastor in a church and trying to really show you what the biblical mindset is behind it and kind of help you guys out with this and kind of refute it as much as we can. But we are looking at this as much as we can, objectively. But realize that everybody comes to a place with bias. So I do want to give you guys that from the get-go here as we get ready to jump into this conversation. So, Kaylee, where should we start? Should I start off with my, my quote, or do you want to start off with your core values? Um, Is your quote like a definition? It kind of gives you a definition to it, so let's go ahead and kind of talk I about it. I think some that. people might be like, what is progressive Christianity? I've never heard that. I know the youth have asked that of us before at church. Like, what is this exactly? 
And it's kind of hard to explain. So I think your quote would be good. But just remember to read it slowly because you talk really fast. I know I do. So, guys, really, whenever you, so we pull up Wikipedia because I was like, hey, let's go find a source. I know it's open source. People have updated to it. But I think it gives really kind of the basis of the concept within the first uh, paragraphs of this progressive Christianity represents a postmodern theological approach and is not necessarily synonymous with progressive politics. So we're not saying that progressive Christianity and this woke culture and progressive movement within the liberal side of our political agenda really match up. That's not necessa- uh, necessary nor mm-hmm. ne- necessarily correct. But it developed out of a liberal Christianity of the modern era, which was rooted in the Enlightenment thinking, progressive Enlightenment thinking. This concept of hey, a higher thought, always moving higher into what we think to kind of dive deeper. It developed out of the liberal Christianity. So we already said that progressive Christianity is a post-liberal theological movement within Christianity that is, in the words of Reverend Roger Wolseley, so we're going to go ahead and quote him, seeks to reform the faith via the insights of postmodernism and a reclaiming of the truth behind uh, beyond the verifiable historically and factuality of the passages in the bible by affirming in truths within the stories that may not have actually happened so one of the primary thing we see with progressive the uh, christianity and progressive theology nowadays is they have refuted the concept that the bible is infallible or without error mm-hmm so a lot of people come to this ideology where they look at the scripture and really kind of pull it apart and start saying, hey, here and here, it says two different things. And so obviously the Bible is incorrect across the board and plain and simple. There we go. If it's incorrect, then we can take moral value from it. That is true. We can take some morals from it, but we have to realize that these stories never happened. Don't you think that also leads to like taking other faith-based texts and also doing the same thing and then combining it all, kind of like Unitarianism? It really does. Unitarianism kind of came out of this kind of progressive movement. It was the idea that all faiths lead to the same place. Okay. So with that kind of movement, also it's a neo-spiritualism movement as well. Neo-spiritualism is that is the new age spiritualism that mm-hmm. we have. Spiritualism was a concept that you see back, I believe it was the 20s and the 40s. Yeah, the 20s to 40s, back during the wars. Yeah, so yeah, World War One and World War Two that really kind of show you like where you started seeing people like try to talk to ghosts. You saw a lot of this movement for that. A lot of uh, people seeking after mediums and things like that. Tarot card readings they really kind of pop up heavily in American mm-hmm. culture in that time. So when you see a progressive movement with this neo spiritualism, with this neo uh, theology movement, where we want to tear things apart. You start realizing that, hey, maybe all of us are thinking the same thing and we all go the same way. So Unitarianism or Universalism pop up into the same bulb here. So mm-hmm. Unitarian Universalists believe that all faiths, all universes lead to the same way. Yeah. It's where they get the Unitarian Universalist. So it does lead that way whenever we talk about progressive Christianity in that mindset of the infallible scripture. Whenever you think that all holy texts are wrong or that they are good stories that we can get morals from then really you have no basis for anything else of your faith. So everything goes mm-hmm. kind of mentality. So we don't have to take it seriously. Every religious base across the board will tell you that their things that they consider holy texts are considered to be from God. Mm-hmm. So even or with gods, yeah, or gods or yeah, depending on uh, if you're monotheistic or multi or polytheistic. Uh, so whenever you think of the Judaic group, so we're going to take the, uh, it's what we call the Judaic triad. So there's three faiths that base themselves out of the Jewish culture. So that's Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity. Mm-hmm. So 
whenever you look at these three things, all of them say they go through the same monotheistic God, or Allah, or God. I mean, it's just plain and simple. It's the three ways we use the word for it. So uh, Judaism believes in the Old Testament God. Islam believes in the Old Testament God, thinking and claiming to be followers of the first son of Abraham, of Ishmael. Yeah. They're sons of Ishmael. So that's where you see the line trend off away from where we go from the line of Isaac. Yeah. So we have the split. These three faiths will look at you and say our holy text, which uh, Judaism and Christianity both share the same holy text in the Old Testament. We have the addition of the New Testament given by the apostles. So uh, all of us would tell you that our Bible is infallible. It is the holy word of God, holy inspired word of God. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, going through them and saying, hey, these words are not true. These never happened. You have to say the Old Testament never happened, and the Old Testament has been historically historically proven. Multiple times. Multiple times. Repeatedly. It's one of the things that fascinate me is that uh, whenever you look at like historical documents and things like that, generally speaking, you might find tens of documents that come together, tens, uh, ten manuscripts, tens of manuscripts that come together, and that's how they come up with the Holy Text or a book. Even going back to like uh, the Odyssey and the, the uh, Iliad and these things like that, mm-hmm. they find tens of manuscripts, maybe up to a hundred manuscripts, that kind of say the same thing. Yeah, and that's how they get their modern translation of or their modern rendition of it. Mm-hmm. When it came to the Holy Scriptures, so the Old Testament, we found thousands upon thousands upon thousands of manuscripts that read to the same thing. Well, didn't like when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, didn't they find just a ton of them in there anyway yes of the same thing yes it was meant to be a place where they kind of held together when we started revealing some of these stele back in the uh, stele are like the the pylons that have uh text written on the side of them yeah and stuff like that or these holy tablets they are tablets not necessarily holy but tablets that have written words of god have the history of the people built into that the history that we have found in multiple cultures from babylonian uh communities assyrian communities mesopotamian communities all match up with the Old Testament as well. We start seeing them line up perfectly together, even mm-hmm. through Greek history. The New Testament, we also found thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies of these letters written by the apostles. So we see the Gospels being presented and things like that. There is, uh, did a study on it and really found out that there's a 93% accuracy a translation from the Greek and Hebrew texts to mm-hmm. the modern English Bible. The differences that we see is the punctuation marks that we use and the chapter and verse markings that we use to help yeah. separate the verses out. Originally in those languages, one, there was no spacing. So you mm-hmm. had another language very well to know what the sentence said. Yeah. And there was no punctuation marks used. Mm-hmm. So these are things we added because our language provi- uh, requires them, our dialect re- requires them to have them. Yeah. So with that, within our codex, when we realize that we have such a better translation than you really can get from any other language, mm-hmm. it amazes me how people can say that these things are just fake. But go back to the idea of these are just are these are stories that never happened. The Old Testament has been proven. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ was a real person. We have historical Roman documents that prove that. Mm-hmm. That many activities that happened in that time, we know that he was crucified. Mm-hmm. We have documents to prove that. We well, have there would have been documents of his birth, too, right? Because of the census? There would have been documents of the birth of the multiple sensei. Since, I guess it would be censuses or sensei. Uh, I don't know. One of the two. Uh, guys, we're not that proficient in I majored language. in music, not yeah. English. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, is I always say I majored in paper writing. 
because I have all that information just built into my head, but I'm not even that good with languages, so it's great. Well, so, and I learned, you know, how to count to four, maybe 12, um, and to wave my arms. Yeah, and to wave the arms to the count. I love or you so much. people can scream at me, and I'll wave my arms at them. Yeah. <laughs> Describe your job badly. There you go. And I wave my arms at people so they'll scream at me. I love that. See, I just, I'm a professional book reporter. Um, whenever we look at the historical documents that we have that, that prove the existence of Christ, that's interesting to say that people say he didn't even exist or that he didn't even come to this earth. So it's amazing to really kind of take the historical context and say, okay, how about this? Then they start taking apart the parables. Mm-hmm. Parables are stories that didn't happen. Yeah. These are meant to be illustrations. Guys, the reality is the prodigal son was not a real person. Yeah, neither was the Good Samaritan. Neither was the Good Samaritan. These are the events that Christ used to illustrate the Christian mentality and these things. However, the miracles that we see within Scripture, the healings that we see within Scripture, all these things actually do happen within Scripture. Why? Because we have found multiple accounts. The idea that four people, four separate people, eyewitness accounts, Mm -hmm. wrote down the same thing from different perspectives so that's why some of them seem a little bit off is you have to realize what four of us sit together and write down the same story so we see the same thing like if i put an apple in the room between four people we're going to describe it differently i'm going to say it's a red kaylee might actually define the red i'm going to say that the stem from my perspective was leaning to the right but from hers who's across from me it was leaning to the left you know so you see it from different perspectives however they match up so well that even our forensic analysts that we have that try to prove if scripture was wrong or not has come to find out that no, the scripture has so much validity in it that it's almost impossible to prove it wrong mm-hmm. because these things do happen. So I'm really kind of giving you the case for the scripture here. I know that was a lot to throw at you right away. So this concept that the stories don't exist is very interesting. But let's go ahead and jump into those five core values. We want to make sure that we're doing this the best justice, but also being a good steward of y'all's time on the other end here. Yeah. Do you want to read that part that was before it? Yeah, go on ahead. The website? Okay, so if you go to progressivechristianity.org and you can actually go to their about section and go to their core values, you can see this there. Um, But it says here, quoting from the website, please take these lightly, but seriously, they're not dogma, meaning primary issues. Yeah. They are simply a starting point to establish conversations and a foundation of values and beliefs that we have observed progressive Christians generally share. It is okay if you don't agree with all the words or all the parts. We support your authentic path. You can use these in your faith communities and with family and friends to talk about what it means to you to be a progressive Christian in today's world. Then says, here's to always progressing. See, I'm, can I, I pull something out of that real yeah. quick and kind of talk to that for a second? This idea of personal authenticity really becomes an issue within the Christian faith really quickly. Because whatever we realize in scripture that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. So scripture says that very clearly in the book of Romans that we've all made mistakes, that even the pastor who's on the other end of this uh, microphone to you guys right now has made mistakes and I am sinful. I'm a sinner that saying that your personal authenticity is so important that the way you are is so important is detrimental to your faith because Christianity calls us to be against fleshly or human wants and desires it actually calls us to be different Mm -hmm. than what we are we're called out of this world not to live in this uh, to live in this world but not of this world that kind of mentality that we see a lot within the christian faith is so important to us because we're called to be holy which means to be set apart 
from everything else. To say that your human authenticity is important, that the way you are is so important, I know sounds very negative when I say this, but know that we're called to be better. We're called to change and to be more and more like Christ. Is why Christian means to be Christ-like or be a little Christ. Is because we're supposed to deny ourselves and follow after him. To lay, to bear our cross and follow after him daily like we see in the book of Luke. Mm-hmm. Is our, I believe it's Luke chapter 5. I might be wrong with that. But it's such an important calling in our lives to pick up your cross and follow after Christ every day. Mm-hmm. is so important. So right off the bat, just in their little preamble... We can start seeing how scripture kind of goes against that. But let's go ahead and go through the core values. Okay, so I'm just going to read it as it is. We'll talk about each point. Let's go for it. Maybe. Okay, so the core values of progressive Christianity. Remember, you can find this on their website. By calling ourselves progressive Christians, we mean that we are Christians who, number one, believe that following the way and teachings of Jesus can lead to experiencing sacredness, wholeness, and unity of all life even as we recognize that the spirit moves in beneficial ways in many faith traditions. Okay, so the first thing we get off the bat is this Unitarian mentality that all faiths lead to heaven. So uh, one thing that we find in the Gospels is we find Christ making the statement that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. That no one may come to the Father except through me. You might go online and find a lot of people post these memes and stuff like that of all these different people, of all the different like prophets and uh, head religious leaders who said, you know, I was always seeking the truth or I was never found, you know, I never found life. You know, I never, f- I was always fighting after the way. You know, that's what they always pick, like Buddha, Confucius, and Gandhi, and stuff like that. And they use that, which, one, I sit here and go, okay, Christians, you know, kind of calm down for a second. Because Christ says that I am the way, the truth, and life. So they're trying to prove that all these other faiths don't lead to heaven, only Christ does. Mm -hmm. Christ preaches an inclusive doctrine, but exclusive pathway. Yes. So what does that mean? He wants everyone to come to him. It's for every race, creed, gender, everybody can come to Christ. But Mm -hmm. only can you go to the Father through Christ. It is exclusively through path, but inclusive in methodology. Everybody else, everybody can come be a part of it. I think something that's interesting, I know we said we weren't going to go back to their past ones, but I was really curious. Go ahead. So we are saying here that in their first point that there is um, that Unitarian mindset. Yeah. In their original eight points from 1997, I did find it. Now, it's 1997, 2003, 2011, 2022. Those are the four updates. Uh, In their 1997 update, or first initial point, number one is proclaiming Jesus Christ as our gate to the realm of God. So they've shifted very heavily away from that pathway He's the only entrance to Christianity. Yeah, because then if you look in the 2003, it says, have found an approach to God through the life and teachings of Jesus. Uh, approach, okay. Then you go to their 2011 version. Then it says here, believe that following the path and teachings of Jesus can lead to an awareness and experience of the sacred and the oneness and unity of all life. Can lead. Okay. Um. Yeah, so... Okay, so then in their 2011 version 2, it does have a second point that talks about Jesus. And it says, affirming that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life. And that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Isn't in that 2011, don't point 1 and point 2 contradict one another? They really can't. Well, no, they can't. They don't because it says can in the first one. So it can lead. Yeah. So what they're really doing is they're trying to 
this is where the inclusivity of mindset of other fans really kind of step into that. So whenever we look at an exclusive exclusive exclusivity of pathway in Christ Jesus, all other faiths are exclusive. Yeah. In their mindset of how you get to Christ. But progressive Christianity is saying, hey, we can get rid of that and just say, everybody come in here and worship together and we'll all make it to heaven. But see, the thing is, that's a false promise. Mm -hmm. But Christ has already said that that's not possible. I am the way and the truth and life. Only through me can you come. For God sent the Son of the world not to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. John 3, 17 is so important to realize because God came to this earth to save everyone, to give everybody the gospel knowing not everybody was going to accept them. This is whosoever shall. So that means not everybody will, but anyone who does will come to Christ. Yeah, okay, let's go back to the 1997 one. I said in that first point, it's proclaim Jesus Christ as our gate to the realm of God. I skipped over point two. Okay. Point two says recognize the faithfulness of other people who have other names for the gateway to God's realm. So really kind of this idea that Christ is just our version of the Messiah is also very, very contradicting to other faiths as well. So here's the thing. Progressive Christianity does not just uh, go against Christian mentality and morals mm-hmm. and values or even our faith base, our dogma, or anything like that. It goes against the dogma of other faith bases as well who also proclaim an exclusivity to it. Yes. So when you see Judaism, they find an exclusivity through the law. You know, Islam find an exclusivity through their law as well. So when you see this exclusivity built into these faiths and say oh but everybody has their christ anybody can go to christ or go to god through their pathway honestly it contradicts all faith yeah and it also says that in their 2003 it has that same sentence but it adds and acknowledge that their ways are true for them as our ways are true for us see and that's the thing the personal truth it does not matter yeah uh so what let me kind of uh specify that because i know that can be kind of shocking to some people my truth versus the real truth so um if the fact of the matter is that the vase got knocked off the table mm-hmm. and i tell you no the vase did not get knocked off the table whose truth more important the fact that the face is sitting there broken on the ground or the fact that i said no it didn't happen yeah so that's where i know this kind of a minimalized version of personal truth but that's the way it really can go down. That's how it breaks down very easily yeah. is that my personal truth, the way I see things might not be always correct. Mm-hmm. But when we look at scripture, when we look at this fact that this right here is historically accurate, that we find these things to be the truth, that God, the creator of all things, if we believe in him, which I do, says that this is the inspired word of God, mm-hmm. that I am going to grab a hold of that and say, yes, this is the truth because it contradicts my truth a lot of the times. It contradicts my belief. My human, my fleshly needs, my yep. human abilities, my human uh, state of being. So since it contradicts me, obviously my truth can't be correct. Mm-hmm. So we have to realize that personal truth cannot be a striving goal for us to follow after, especially if scripture says to do otherwise. Yeah. So as Christians, we can't do this. So to be a progressive Christian in this one phrase, in this one statement, contradicts itself. Mm-hmm. so be careful the contradictions is not found in the scripture it's found within the concept of the theological movement mm-hmm. so let's go ahead and go to the point two though okay point two so if you look at their original beliefs they kind of summarize and combine points yeah so point two here in the five points says seek community that is inclusive of all people honoring differences in theological perspective age race sexual orientation gender identity expression class or ability 
Okay. So it says to to inclusive, be inclusive, which is wonderful because the gospel is meant to be inclusive. So I uh, meant is meant for all people. So f- God's love the world they gave his only begotten so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish by everlasting life. John three sixteen, the gospel in one verse. Okay. So when we see that kind of mentality that he came for here both Jew and Greek for both uh believer Jude, Jew and Gentile is who he came here for. So when we see this kind of mentality of the gospel in itself already, we have to be aware that the gospel is meant to be inclusive. However, here's where we come to the point with progressive Christianity is they're allowed to come in and stay the same way. So you don't have to be changed by the gospel when you come into the Christian fold. If you're not being changed by the gospel, if God is not changing your life when you come into the fold, when you come to believe in him or when you come to be a part of it, if you're just coming to the church just to be a part of a community and not to be there to worship God and be a part of that life with God, have that relationship, if God's not changing you, then you don't have a faith basis. You don't have the, that's where we come to this argument that, hey, you tried church, you didn't try God. That's what hurt you was the church failed you, not God failing you. Yeah, I think it's interesting, once again, to go back to the original eight points, sorry. Um, But they add and take away some things. Okay. So if you look at their 1997 one, it says, invite all sorts of and conditions of people to join in our worship and in our common life as full partners, including but not limited to believers and agnostics, mm-hmm. conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, homosexuals and heterosexuals, females and males, the despairing and the hopeful, those of all races and cultures, and those of all classes and abilities, without imposing on them the necessity of becoming like us. Here, here's the thing, though, and I, I agree with the first statement to this point. I'm not asking you to be like me. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to be like Christ, as I am also pursuing after Christ. Paul uses the words like, you know, uh, follow me as I follow Christ is mm-hmm. let me be the example to as I follow Christ if I fail you you follow Christ is the mentality of it and that way I could follow you to make sure I can see it the gospel is meant to change lives yeah. it's meant to change who you are it's t- the desire that we see in Romans chapter I believe 11 or 7 or this two is he's really saying you know my flesh wants makes me want to do things that I no longer want to do. It's this change of life and change of being completely. I no longer pursue after these things, but my body wants me to. My human being wants me to. But I know that they're wrong. I know the morals and values. I know I should be different, so I try to pursue that differently. Progressive Christianity is saying, hey, you don't have to be changed to be a part of this faith basis Mm -hmm. because it's more important for you to show up. It kind of like in our last... uh, our last uh, podcast, we talked about that consumer, consumer Christianity. Just come here and hear good things. Yeah, they care more about butts and seats than they do than about the quality lives. of the butts and seats. Yeah, because you know, whenever we look at the quality of butts and seats, to really kind of define that, we want to really kind of we want your life to be changed. Mm-hmm. We want you to come to an experiencing knowledge of Christ that is amazing that changes your life for the better. Mm-hmm. All right, and that goes after these morals and values. That means coming out of different faith bases into a understanding knowledge of Christ. That's coming out of different sexual identities into a knowledge of Christ because Christ Jesus has made a statement. If we believe the word is infallible, which progressive Christianities don't Christians don't that we know God has created things in a way and has said, this is how I created them. And for this purpose and for this reason. So we have to follow suit within the gospel. 
Does this mean I'm not going to love you if you're not like me? No, because I'm called to love all people. Yeah. I'm called to love people well. But I know that the gospel changes lives and that my job is to sit here and help disciple you, help you grow better as a Christian. Yeah, well, something I think is really interesting about these old points yeah. is that in the first two, it mentions people who are looking for a better world or who have lost hope. But in that 2011 one, they take that out. Mm-hmm. So they only um, include conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, which I'm like, that's an odd way to point that out, but mm-hmm. that's fine. Uh, believers and agnostics, women and men, those of all sexual orientation orientations and gender identities, and then all those of all classes and abilities they leave out that the people who are in despair Mm -hmm. and who are you know looking for hope they leave that out well because and this is one thing that i really like to stress too uh whenever we see an update within faith identity within core values it's because generally speaking the movements are trying to identify closer and closer to what their purpose is at that time so let's take the baptist faith and message there's been multiple different generations uh different versions of it like i think the last one we have baptist message 2000 there's one back in 1991 i think in the 1967 mm-hmm. so you see these updates but if you actually look at the updates the way they have gone to is to define more mm-hmm. into what we believe to really take in things that we realize hey that was not of christ that is something that we believed in because of personal belief that's why i like the baptist faith in message 2000 because it is a doctrinal statement that states hey here's biblical truth and knowledge so it updated it to help correct itself but, but so, the core values seem to be changing because they're trying to make more of an agenda out of it yeah would you say like the baptist faith and message it expands more it does expand on a lot certain more. topics Yes, because it really kind of helped define a little bit more about the triune God and also about how salvation is created and things like that within Christ Jesus and how we see this. So you get more definition plus thousands of verses oh, to yeah. support it. It's All right. That's kind of <laughs> overestimation, like not thousands of verses. But if you ever look at the Baptist faith and message, it's crazy. there's a paragraph of mm-hmm. just Bible references. What I'm finding amazing in the kind of metaphorical sense or the kind of the uh, facetious sense here is that these core values actually have no verses to support them. These are just yeah. personal truths that they're yeah, wanting to show Yeah, there's literally out. no verses on here. So when your truth is not based in scripture, your truth tends to move and change to change, which becomes an issue later on. Well, I feel like they're just refining it and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller as they go. Uh, but let's keep going. Yeah. Okay, number three, strive for peace and justice among all people, knowing that behaving with compassion and selfless love towards one another is the fullest expression of what we believe. Now, in the older versions, that's pretty similar to what's going on in those versions. So really when we kind of see that, also this is something that I think Christianity is meant to do. We're supposed to be uh, lovers of people. We're supposed to be the ones who go out there and really strive to help people. God calls us to take care of the sick, the needy, the widows, the widower, the orphan. We're meant to go out here and take care. And the fact he says, whenever you take care of those who are, when I was hungry, you you fed me. When mm-hmm. I was naked, you clothed me. When I was cold, you spent time, you, you warmed me. These kind of mentality that you see. When Christ, what did I ever do this to you? Oh, when you helped the least of these, you helped me. Is is this one of those, uh, this thought um, of being the peacekeepers, is that a thought that we've attached to Christianity or is that in the scripture? Oh, the peacemaker? Yeah. Uh, we really kind of, uh, we kind of take it a little bit out of context. Let's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because I was thinking, you know, how we take like, God won't give me anything that I can't handle. That's not really scriptural. Yeah. So is this one of those things too? Yeah, kind of kind of really okay. is. It's something we've adapted to it. So that pe- blessed are the peacemakers is the mentality of those who uh, str- stay away from wrath, who strive away from yeah. wrath. So uh, not necessarily to say, hey, we're going to keep the peace no matter what. 
uh, is very much saying, hey, I'm going to avoid my actions and go away. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of go away. I'm going to, yeah. hey, do everything I can to avoid war. Because God actually curses warmongers. And then in Proverbs, you see warmongers are considered amongst the desolate. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see this kind of mentality going on, you have to be very careful with it. Okay, ready for number four? Let's go to the next okay. one. Uh, this one is interesting. Number four, embrace the insights of contemporary science and strive to protect the earth and ensure its integrity and sustainability. Now, if you go back to the old ones, I don't think there's anything about science. Yes, because progressive Christianity really kind of pushed for the science mentality because they thought Christians were anti-science. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 7 says, you know, that all creation cri- uh, cries out the uh, name glory. I think, hold on. Let me go ahead and pull that up. So I, I want to quote that for you and make sure I'm getting it on point because I think it's very important that we have these accurately for you here. So okay, you well, while, while you're doing here, that. I got it real quick. Sorry. Oh, never mind. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay, so if you look at their different versions of their points, their uh, three older ones, 1997, it doesn't mention anything about that. Uh, 2003, it does start to mention um, that we need to uh, strive for peace and justice among all people, protecting and restoring the integrity of all God's creation. Um, And then they also, in their 2011 one, strive to protect and restore the integrity of the earth is included in that. Yes. So, like, really, you kind of see this movement. Uh, the verse I was thinking is actually Romans chapter 1, verse 20, not Romans uh, 1, 7. Sorry, it's just this. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have clearly been, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So we really see this moment that all of creation, everything back to creation, shows God. So whenever you say that Christians are anti-science, it's not that we're against science or all this... Uh, adoption of the new things we say that science points points towards the creator yeah. how people are trying to disprove a creator using science one of my favorite things and you know we always think about uh stephen hawking's uh, self-created universes he went so far as to think that guy c- that the universe cannot have a creator or have a divine designer because as so much for that he theorized that the universe in itself made itself how can you think that the universe came from nothing by itself is fascinating to me because everything else we do has to be created. Everything else has to be moved. And since we are designed, since we are made in the image of God, you can see that through our actions, we create things using our hands. God had to create and mold things using himself to do it. And so it's fascinating. He spoke a lot of things into existence. He handcrafted humanity that we see just as through one, chapter one and two, this creation that he made. So it fascinates me that people think Christians don't believe in science. We do agree with science and say that science is accurate and it's absolute that it was working. But to know that all truth that we find verified is within scripture. I think this might have come from an idea that uh, Christians were anti-hippie and anti-earth child movement uh, because they're seeing a lot of other things happen in those movements. And so they went the opposite direction of those into a really, um, like I said, the opposite way than the hippie movement. Uh, and so we are seeing that in the late 80s and 90s um, and where now Christians are, you know, um, we're still kind of away from that. But I think this was a response out of that because they think that we don't care. 
but in reality we do and i think as christians we should be conscious about the earth and taking care of the earth yeah uh, because it is god's creation and we are called to be good stewards yeah well we have a massive amount of scripture and theology that goes to this idea of creation care where we're meant to take care because we have dominion over all the earth God has given it, whenever we talk about having dominion, is not only just to have control over everything, but to be able to care for everything. A good king cares for his people, cares for his kingdom. In the same way that God had created us and said, hey, have dominion over the land, Mm -hmm. we are supposed to care for the land that we have dominion over. But in the same thing, a lot of people have this mentality because uh, Christians have come out very much, uh, let's, let's take this to the actual point, because we have taken Christianity and attached it to a uh, political party. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reality is not all of us are Republicans. Not all of us are Democrats. Yep. We have a variety of them. I laugh because I look at our church and realize that we're split down the middle. Yeah. Half of us Republicans, half of us Democrats. And we coincide within the same faith basis, believe in the same thing. Mm-hmm. So whenever we look at this, you know, especially in the last couple of years with COVID, because there's been a lot of outspoken people like Greg Locke, who has Ooh, been... Oh, when, oh next Ooh. week. I took, we're going to see how we bring him up next week. Oh, uh, okay. Y'all start paying Greg Locke bingo with us. Hey, did they mention Greg Dude. Locke this week? But having people like that who come out and say the, that the vaccination, the Fauci ouchie or whatever they want to call it. As <laughs> Fauci con- ouchie is still my fave. As they continue to insult a medical miracle, I will say that I'll be honest with you, there was some hesitation because of the science that we looked into it. We trusted the science and we did our research. We tried to figure out what was going on. Yeah. But because of all these people, they have made us anti-vaxxers, quote unquote, because we carry the banner of Christianity. Or anti-maskers, because that's the mark of the devil. Exactly. Which none of these make sense when you take yeah. scripture into context yeah. and the, you realize, know what the scripture is talking about. The Fauci ouchie is not the mark of the devil. It is not. The it mask is not, the mark, is not the, the mark of the devil. No. And I always laughed. And guys, this is always my favorite thing. When people called me sheeple (laughs) or called me sheep, I was like, good, because I'm supposed to be following after the Lamb of God. He calls me to be a part of his flock. Can Mm -hmm. I get a hallelujah? Amen. I asked for a hallelujah. I'll take hallelujah. But guys, that's where we come. Like, sorry, guys, we got on our soapbox. We know. (laughs) But the ridiculousness that we see in some of the mentality of you take people who don't know scripture or who know very little about scripture but want to go on this Christian banner because they're using it as a political rampage or a political stance to get a vote. And then they make all these ridiculous claims to be able to mess up everything else. Has your political stance become your idol in your life? Exactly. But the reality is these loud mouths are not what the faith base is. Mm-hmm. Read your scripture you'll find out what the basis of our faith is. Not what these political people are up in their stance. Not what these pastors who are out here behind the pulpits are saying sometimes. It's what the scripture says. If your pastor is not quoting scripture to you when he tells you his opinion, there's an issue. Yeah, let's see how many times we can mention Greg Locke in one um, podcast. So <laughs> it's like when he literally is preaching from the pulpit, if you're wearing a mask, get out of my church. Yeah, there's an issue. Like, come on. Because... My, my problem is when a pastor puts down the Bible and walks away from it and starts preaching to you his own opinion, there's an mm-hmm. issue. I don't preach my opinion. I preach scripture. That's yep. what that pulpit is meant for the gospel, not for me. All right. Last one. Yeah. This one's long. Sorry. All right. So number five. Yeah. It says commit to a path of lifelong learning, believing there is more value in questioning than in absolutes. See, here's my question here. Uh, how is there more value in questioning than there is absolute? <coughs> so I am called to be a disciple of Christ, which means to be a lifelong learner. A disciple means student. 
So I'm meant to constantly learn. I'm constantly going into scripture looking for things. When people ask me questions, that's why we made this entire podcast. It's okay to ask questions. But the value that's found is not the fact that you're allowed to answer, uh, ask the question, but it's the fact that you found the answer to it. I think something that's interesting, how this has evolved at this point. Okay. Between the three. So, or the four, I mean. So the first one in 1997, it said, Recognize that our faith entails costly discipleship, renunciation of privilege, and consciousness, conscientious, <laughs> conscientious resistance to evil, as has always been the tradition of the church. Yeah. Okay, then the next year, or the next time. Who recognize that being followers of Jesus is costly and entails selfless love, conscientious resistance to evil, and renunciation of privilege? Next year, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love. So they eradicated the part of the calling of the gospel towards yep. being more and more. Find that Ephesians chapter 6, being willing to go against the principalities of darkness to put on the full armor of God. Yep. Just to question things. Yep. See, uh, whenever you start stripping scripture out of your faith, how can you claim to be Christian when you stripped out Christ out of your entire faith basis? That's what we see, like... Kaylee's been showing you guys through the, the progression of the progressive core values. Now we realized that at the beginning of this whole thing, we talked about how these are not necessarily everything you believe because you're allowed to believe your own thing, but these are good topics, good uh, starting points for conversation, mm -hmm. which are great. But when you have these things as kind of your core value as a faith basis through the progressive Christianity.org, so it's going to be the headquarters, I'm going to guess, for right now, it really shows you that developing away from christ to pull out christ but all you're doing is keeping the title christian all you're doing there is to confuse to question and to confuse is weird to question and get answers is what we're questions are designed to get answers from it's to, designed to find the truth it is okay to ask your questions because that's what we want you guys to do on this platform is ask us your questions that way we can go find the truth and answer them for you yeah, and you can, you, if you want to ask them questions, there's a phone number on there you can reach. And there's an email. There's also three places you can donate. Well, see, that's interesting. But I'm going to say this. If you're finding people who are sitting here going, hey, there's no absolutes. There is no absolute truth, which we claim to be the word of God, the gospels. You know, the entire Holy Bible is our truth, our basis of absolute truth. But I'll say this. If they're saying, hey, I don't have an absolute truth for you, please don't ask them questions. Y'all, submit your questions here. We'd love to help you answer them. Love to be able to be a part of it. But whenever you see these things that, hey, I can't find truth in the midst of it, but Christ has said that he is the truth. When you say, hey, scripture is not uh, profitable for anything, but the scripture itself says it's profitable for reproof. Let's go ahead and find this. We're going to find the passage for you guys right now. Pull out my scripture. Insert elevator music here. So second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen through seventeen, you find this passage that really claims that scripture is profitable. So gonna pull it up. Everybody open your Bible, Second Timothy chapter fifteen or chapter three verses fifteen to sixteen. Alright, says this. As I open it up. And how from childhood you have acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. So it is infallible because it is the inspired word of God breathed out by God and profitable 
mm-hmm. for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Mm-hmm. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every work. Yep. So every good work. Sorry. So whenever we see this mentality that Scripture is already claiming that it is an infallible word of God. So Scripture in itself also identifies itself as infallible. By the way, this is the book of Paul's writings to his, uh, his disciple Timothy, who was following after him to follow after Christ. All right. So somebody he was discipling to help be more like Christ, to be a pastor, to be the next stage in the ministry. He's telling them that, hey, all scripture, I have found scripture to be profitable for proof and rebuke. Paul is saying, hey, it's infallible because the Lord has written it for us. It is breathed out by God. So when you see that kind of mentality behind it, from Paul's writings to Timothy, saying it's good for you, that it is truth, that it is profitable, that it is good for training in righteousness. Y'all, this is my thing. You get trained so you know how to do things. You get trained so you know, so you have knowledge. But they're saying that knowledge is okay for anything. That it's not better to have knowledge. Actually, in fact, it's better to question. Y'all, please ask your questions. But realize that the profit is in the answer. The profitable part is in the answer. And when you guys ask those questions, although it might sound like the Sunday school answer, our answer is going to be Christ. Because Christ is the ultimate truth and honesty. Y'all, that it is the work of salvation we see. Uh, in that passage beforehand that which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. Y'all, that's going to be where we point every time. I am the way and the truth and life. No one may come to the Father except through me. This is the claim of Christ. Pursue after him. But guys, we're thankful that you guys jumped onto the podcast this week. We know that this podcast went really, really long, but we're thankful that you guys made it to this part of the conversation. Y'all continue to submit your questions. We love questions. We love to be able to take them one at a time too like this and dive really deep into it and really kind of pull the research and have fun with it. We hope that you guys learned a lot in this episode. But guys, continue to submit your questions. Kaylee, how can they do that? You can go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AskRevPodcast. You can also hit up Wayne's Q&A on his TikTok at Rev.Wayne. Or you can send us an email at askrevpodcast at gmail.com. That's askrevpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all, in the bottom of our little logos and stuff like that, our little... uh, like posts that we're making on Facebook and Instagram as well. If you prefer to put the answer of the question down in the comments, that is great to do that as well. We're thankful that you guys keep being part of us until next time. We love y'all. Bye.